eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good afternoon, Ohio State fans, and, and really any college football fans or any sport fans who decided to tune in for the Bucknuts Happy Hour. We are here in, I think it's week eight of the college football season. Man, it flies by, doesn't it? We're going to be talking about Ohio State-Iowa, the matchup this weekend between the Buckeyes and the Hawkeyes. We're going to look ahead a little bit to the rest of this season. The Buckeyes obviously coming off that off weekend. Perfectly lines that up uh, nicely for first half, second half, and and how we expect that to go. I'm Patrick Murphy. If you've done this with us th- throughout the season, the Bucknuts Happy Hour, you know this already, but if you feel feel like it, grab yourself a drink. I've got a, uh, what do I have here? A Bell's, I think it's a Bell's Two-Hearted that I grab out of the fridge. Get the weekend started. It's, uh, it's a Buckeye football weekend. So we're going to kick things off. We've got David Eichelholt, Eichelholt, excuse me, here from our uh, 247 site Hawkeye Insider. 
David, thanks for joining us. Um, I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy week to hop on here and uh, join the happy hour. Yeah, man. Always good talking to you. I appreciate you having me on and uh, I'm with you, but you know, when you watch the Iowa offense, I think you need something a little bit stronger than, than beer. So, uh, you know, but uh, you know, it'll be interesting. I'm, you know, as I think most of us know how the results of the game is going to go, but there's still a lot of intriguing storylines, I think heading into this one. Absolutely. And, and if you have any questions, if you're watching this live, feel free to throw comments about uh, Iowa, you know, big 10, whatever into the, into the chat here. And, and we'll try and answer those throughout the show. If you have anything for David, get him in while he's on here for the next little bit. You, you, you mentioned needing something a little bit stronger to watch <laughs> Iowa. I had a buddy ask me the other day if I was getting bored covering Ohio state football, because every game is, has been the same. He's like, I don't even, I think your stories are like basically the same after every game. I'm going to flip that question to you. Obviously <laughs> fans who are watching this, know, I was got a great defense, but that offense as, as I think you kind of were alluding to there makes it hard to watch. What is it like to cover this team this season? You know, seven to three game where they don't score a touchdown. Some of those kind of take us through what it's like to, to cover this team. You know, it's been a very weird season. Uh, like you mentioned, the seven to three with the two safeties and the field goal against South Dakota State. The next week against Iowa State, bad weather. I thought Iowa State did everything in their power to lose that game and to give Iowa the game, essentially. Uh, Iowa State ended up pulling it out. And then, then the Nevada game, which, you know, you might be rolling your eyes to, but that was, I think, about a seven hour game with all the weather delays. There was one where it was, uh, I think 95 minutes was the second delay. They went back out there. Nevada ran a botched screenplay that was, I think, like a four-yard loss. And then another lightning strike got hit. So it was another 55 minutes or so. And the first thing I'm thinking is you had 95 minutes to draw up a play, and that's what you decided to run on third down. I mean, but, uh, you know, it's been a very weird season. I think there's a lot of pent-up frustration. But, you know, Patrick, to be honest, I think it's just – there are issues that were covered up last year that are just surfacing now. I mean, okay. Iowa won 10 games last year, but right. the offense was much more opportunistic. But, you know, Iowa was 121st in total offense last year, 114th in completion percentage. I think 117th in red zone offense. Um, and Iowa is just not generating as many interceptions as they did last year as well. I mean, they had 25 picks last right. year, set up Iowa's offense really, really well. And now it's just defenses get great stops, but Iowa just can't move the football. I mean, their time of possession's awful. The offensive line is very young. I think they're going to be really good in due time, but uh, it's just so many variety issues. I think have just become so glaring now. Uh, it's it, like I said, it's just a very complex, very weird team. And I almost feel bad for the defense because we have to ask them, you know, is there any frustration in the locker room between you guys and the offense? And the first thing they'll say back is, you know, we could have held them to six points. We could have pitched a shutout. And I'm like, we're, it's almost like we're gaslighting this defense, right? Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And they're, they're great. But uh, I think it's definitely being overshadowed by what's turned into a huge laughing stock. That is the Iowa offense. We've had a couple people in the, in the comment section here, watching live saying it's, too early to drink. I think that's one of the things that's nice about being a sports writer is it's never too early to drink uh, as long as you do it responsibly. And, uh, you know, it's we're recording this 
three o'clock my time, two o'clock your time. So it's Friday afternoon. I don't know. Happy hours coming. Uh, another another comment <laughs> from Mike Schaefer. If Pat drinks a beer for every Iowa point scored this Saturday, is he drunk afterward? Probably not. Probably um, not. <laughs> a lot of beer. So even if Iowa were to score some some touchdowns, um, you can't hang out with Hellwagon and Biddle and not have some beers. Oh, and that's I mean that, true. I mean that in a good way, not like yeah. you're supposed to deal with. You've you've experienced <laughs> it before when when we've all been together. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's the thing about being a sports fair though too is people don't realize like the Friday nights before the games and stuff like that mm-hmm. on the road trips. I mean it, you know, Big Ten media days. It's it's a blast just to uh, you know be with those group of people, and it's a uh, it, it's a very unique industry in a lot of ways. But I certainly think you know whether it be you know your site, whether it be you know other networks, whether it be other journalists. It's just it's a very cool kind of. Just uh, I won't say a brotherhood, but you kind of get my vibe about that. Yeah, absolutely. And we got to hang out at Big Ten Media Days this past year. That was a great, great night. Some stories you can't tell on things like this, but uh, <laughs> yeah, just know we, we have our fun when we we work hard, play hard. That's true. <laughs> yeah, let's get back to the game. Um, <laughs> I think you kind of alluded to it with uh, with, with your statement there, but you also were kind of telling me before we we started recording. What's the vibe in, in your eyes in Iowa City and, and around this fan base just about this game? Because as you mentioned, I think we we all kind of know how it's going to go. So so what are Iowa fans looking? And contrast that to maybe the Michigan game, because I think that's where Ohio State fans and Michigan fans, they're going to compare opponents, right? Because yeah. that game at the end of the year is going to be a huge one probably. So how how is it feeling before the Michigan game? How are Iowa fans feeling now? You know, I think the temperature – about this team right now is probably at its highest point since the end of the 2014 season when Iowa finished four and eight. A lot of people wanted Kirk Ferentz fired. I thought he was going to get fired at that time. And then, you know, he made some big adjustments. The hashtag new Kirk became a thing, made some adjustments, went 12 and 0 in the regular season. But, you know, now I think it's, it's very interesting. There's a lot of different dynamics, obviously his son being the offensive coordinator with continuing to double, triple down on the starting quarterback that is Spencer Petras. I think the vibe before the season, I picked Iowa to beat Michigan. I thought that was a game that I assumed Iowa's offense was going to take a step forward. I thought it was going to be a night game. And it's very funny because I believe the two games before the Michigan game were night games. Michigan was not a night game. And then there was another night game the week after. So every game around it was a night game. Then you had the 11 a.m. against Michigan. Those damn big noon kickoff games. Oh, dude. Well, it's basically just uh, the Michigan pregame. I mean, they're they're going to go to like six or seven different Michigan games this year with the big noon. But yeah, it's uh, big champions, they seem to do that. It's it's nuts. But you know, to answer your question, I think it's pretty doom and gloom right now. I think there are still a lot of fans that were very interested in the Iowa-Michigan game. I think there are still some vibes that they maybe could rattle J.J. McCarthy a little bit more. But then Michigan goes out there, scores on four of their first five drives, which is very, very rare against uh, Phil Parker's defenses. Iowa adjusted well in the second half, uh, really held them at bay. But I think when you look at the Ohio State game, I think I told you this off camera I don't know how many Iowa fans are going to watch this game. I really don't. And I think it's very rare for Iowa, either Iowa writers and Iowa fans to really brush off this game or not give Iowa any shot whatsoever. 
but I can't tell you anybody that's giving Iowa any sort of realistic shot. And when you look at the on the field product, you, you really can't blame them. So to, to compare the Michigan Ohio state aspect, people are going to watch Michigan versus Iowa. I don't think there's going to be that many Iowa fans that end up watching this game because they know what they're kind of expecting right now. Well, that kind of goes into Sue's question. She asked, Will many Iowa fans travel to the shoe or not? I think you kind of answered that there. If they're not even watching on TV, I'm sure there'll be a section, but I, I can't imagine it will be what it would be if this were uh, some of the bigger games that we've seen between these teams in the past. If Iowa was 5-1, and one, they would have went. Yeah. Let's put it that way. I mean, if they would have been able to beat Illinois, who's somehow top of the Big Ten West right now, I think without a doubt the most complete team in the Big Ten West, who would have thought that at the beginning of the year? And if Iowa would have beaten Iowa State, I think they they would have traveled well. But, you know, on the flip side of that, Patrick, even if Iowa had beaten those teams, I still think the temperature of the fan base is crazy high because the offense still sucks. <laughs> even with a 5-1 record, it still sucks. So I think a lot, some people might go just for the experience, but uh, that that'd really be about it. People would go for the city and the horseshoe. I don't think people are really going to to watch Iowa. <laughs> Well, you referenced uh, Brian Ferentz earlier. Shane asked, if it wasn't Kirk Ferentz's son, do you truly believe he still has his job as the offensive coordinator? What's your vibe on that unique situation? I mean, Patrick, I, I, I've made this uh, point to you, I think, a couple of times. I've said it. If his name's, you know, Brian Williams, Brian Smith, does he have a job? No. And you, you could argue, and I would have argued, that Iowa should have made significant offseason changes to the offense last year after the 121st ranked offense, even with the 10 games. And, you know, I did ask Kirk Ferentz prior to the bye week, and, you know, Patrick, I'm sure you've seen the clip. It ended up going pre-viral. But I asked him about potentially making midseason coaching changes and read off some statistics to him. And his first defense was, well, we won 10 games last year. I don't know if you know that. We've had a lot of success since 2015. And, you know, I think in hindsight, I think Kirk probably regrets that. I think he knew in the moment he kind of messed up. But given the frustration level of that game, you know, it's hard to keep your emotions in check at times. But uh, Shane, to answer your question, I don't think he'd still have his job. And, you know, to put it bluntly, I'll be surprised if he's Iowa's offensive coordinator next year. I I don't think. Kirk's going to have to fire him. Kirk technically can't fire him because Gary Bard is his boss due to nepotism laws. But uh, I could see a very real possibility that Brian Ferentz steps aside on his own accord and takes a different job. Interesting. Um, I, I, all right. All right. I, I was under, just from, from reading your stuff, reading other people's stuff, I was under the impression that like he may never go anywhere, kind of like Ferentz, just because of that. But uh, that's well, he's got a lot of connections with Bill Belichick. Remember, he was the tight ends coach for yeah. New England a couple of years. And Bill O'Brien is a very, very close friend to him. So, you know, Bill O'Brien moves on somewhere. Right. That That's, again, just that's pure speculation, but it would not surprise me whatsoever. Bill O'Brien's in Alabama, right? I believe, yes. I think he is. I think um, he's the offensive coordinator. Yeah. An interesting question from, from Mike Schaefer here. I'm curious on your opinion here. Will the addition of USC and UCLA help a program like Iowa recruit better? I assume you mean being able to go out to the West Coast more frequently. I imagine that'll happen quite a bit. Or is there a fear that they will just get pushed further down the Big Ten standings when when those two teams come to the Big Ten? What do you think about that? I think that's a really interesting question. I spent a lot of time thinking about that. I think that 
it's very weird to me because Iowa's actually recruiting better and better every single year. They've been on a very upward trajectory. They have the nation's number one offensive tackle next year in Caden Proctor. Granted, it's a rare instance where he resides in Des Moines, but he had offers from Alabama. He had offers from everywhere under the sun. Same with Xavier Wampa, who Ohio State fans, I'm sure, are pretty familiar with, made a final three. I think it opens the door for Iowa to be successful down there or there, but I'd also counter that point. It's all going to depend on how what Iowa's investment in NIL is going to be. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way college football is trending. Uh, and if USC continues their upward trajectory, I don't know how much Iowa's really going to try to take over in that area. But the other side of that argument is, you know, and, and I use the same logic for like Florida born players. Would you rather have a top three prospect in a normal year from Nebraska, from Iowa, or would you take a top 30 prospect or top 40 prospect from a California, from a Texas, from a Georgia, from a, from a Florida. Sure. And they, and they, and those guys aren't going to be the ones gaining the huge offers like from blue bloods the majority of the time. So I think it creates a unique circumstance for Iowa to really go into Florida. Abdul Hodge, uh, has some Florida connections. Liddell Betts, who's Iowa's running back coach, has some Florida connections. So I think Iowa's put more of a priority right now on getting back down to Florida, getting back down into Texas. And they've obviously utilized uh, the East Coast connections as well, some of their key players being there. But as far as the West Coast, Iowa rarely goes out there. Ironically enough, Spencer Petrus is from California. So, uh, you know, he's the only California-born player on the roster to my knowledge. But I think it's an interesting question. I think it's, again, it's going to depend on NIL and it's going to depend on how carefully can Iowa play? Are they going to try to go kind of out of their element and get, get those top five, top 10 kids, or are they going to get those under the radar players in those talent reeled States? And that's assuming Iowa can continue its developmental program. I mean, that's going to be the key piece to all this, right? So I think, you know, as Kirk gets older, this is a very trying time in college athletics in general and changing the way Kirk Ferentz ends his tenure is going to set up how successful Iowa football can be in the future. And I think this question, you could ask this question about all big 10 teams. I mean, Ohio state has, has done all, you know, pretty well given the location of the big 10 out in California, Michigan has some California, but most of the big 10 isn't recruiting that far out regularly. So now that you're going to be out there, once a year, twice, a, you know, depending on how this schedule all breaks out, it will be interesting because, you know, that, that becomes part of your footprint a little bit, as crazy as that is to think because of you know how far away Southern California is. And, and yeah. I know I was just out there and uh, it is quite a trip to, to get out there. Especially subtle, for- subtle flex, Patrick. Yeah. Well, it was all- <laughs> and my flight and I missed my flight on the way home. So it, it wasn't the greatest. But- Here's the thing about Ang UCLA and USC. Look, as a sports writer, I'm not going to complain about leaving Iowa to go to LA for three days no. in November. All right. Like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about, it. I'm good with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> look, uh, the, the Rose Bowl trips out there have always been good. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's not a bad place to go, especially as it gets colder in the Midwest and, uh, and whatnot, but yeah. Looking at uh, Iowa's roster, somebody, I think it was on, I don't remember if I saw it on Twitter or our message boards the other day, asked about the number of future NFL picks or NFL players on this Iowa roster. Now, obviously, you know, you can't project what's going to happen, but if you were to to name some guys that are most likely to be 
you know, playing in the NFL once their Iowa career is done, who are some of those guys that you think are, are surefire NFL players? Jack Campbell, number one. I think if I'm very intrigued by Jack Campbell and where he could go in the draft because personally, and I, I'm biased, I watch every game. I think he's a late first round, early second round pick. He's 6'5", 248, tackling machine, and his sideline to sideline speed is tremendous for a guy that size. I think Sam Laporta's a surefire NFL pick. I think he has to clean up some of the drop issues he's had throughout his career, but we've seen what he can do. Uh, I actually think Luke Lachey is a future NFL or two. I really do. Um, I There were a lot of questions about his a blocking ability when he got to Iowa, and I think he's done a great job in progressing in that. I think he's uber, uber athletic. Yeah. Uh, He's got very high upside. I think he's going to get a real breakout chance next season when once Laporta goes to the NFL. Let me think about some other guys. I think Riley Moss, I think, hurt himself coming back. He just hasn't had the year that many of us expected. But he's still going to be an NFL cornerback. Cooper DeGene is probably one of the most underrated defensive players in America. And he's from, I call it Alphabet Soup High School. 1A, small town, you know, three towns combined high school. <laughs> But he was actually the Adidas National Player of the Year 2019. Uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, 2020. Four-sport athlete, uber-fast, uber-athletic, three picks this year. He actually got offered to play quarterback at Virginia. So with Iowa's quarterback troubles, all Iowa fans are saying, hey, throw him in a quarterback. But Of course, right. You know, and we, as media members, we've questioned, maybe throw him in a wildcat or do, do something with that. Uh, Lucas Van Ness. Defensive lineman, he's going to be a top two, top three round draft pick. He's 6'5", 275 with a crazy six pack. His teammates call him Hercules. It's just, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, I think Noah Shannon will get picked up. I mean, if uh, just off the top of my head, I mean, Xavier Wampa is obviously going to be an NFL guy as well. I mean, there's probably double digit guys on the roster right now comfortably. I'd be like, yeah, they're going to get drafted or yeah, they'll at least get a shot in the NFL. Yeah, I think. A lot of people just, you know, the, the top name programs, the Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia's, you know, they think that so much of the NFL talent comes from there. And, and it, obviously it does, but, you know, there's what, seven rounds in the NFL draft and 30 plus picks in each round. So there's there's certainly guys from programs like Iowa. And I feel like it, that doesn't get put out there uh, as much as, you know, when you talk about some of these other schools, maybe just because they're not first round picks, but plenty of talented Iowa players in the NFL right now. I mean, you can argue, uh, I mean, Tyler Linderbaum, I think, is going to be the best center in the NFL at some point in his career. Tristan Wirfs is going to yeah. get paid. And then Brandon Scherf. I mean, if you look at it's, it's funny just because the way Iowa's offensive line is right now and how much it's sort of struggled. You look at the NFL and you think there's three, like you could argue three of the top 15 linemen probably are out of Iowa. Linderbaum, not there yet. You still need to see it just on a, uh, in a more game basis, but I don't think he's allowed a sack this season. I think he's only allowed like one pressure and that Ravens offense with Lamar Jackson sort of, is sort of being revitalized. But, uh, you know, obviously with George Kittle, Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, I mean, it, uh, Iowa, I think's top 12 or top 14 with most players on NFL roster. I think they're at about 38 right now. I want to say. Yeah. I reminded a friend of mine the other day, we were watching an NFL game a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think it was no fan. It was either no fan or TJ Hawkinson. And I was like, Oh yeah, that was one of the tight ends that killed Ohio state in 2017. And he just like turned and looked at me and was like, 
why did you bring that up? <laughs> Pain. I don't know. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> no, I mean, it, it was. like that, th- Those guys had really good games. Both you know what, what play was so incredible? Not to reminisce too much on that, but it's just sort of I – mean, how, how am I supposed to phrase? It's just like the one play that sort of symbolized the game or summed it up. It was I can't remember the defensive lineman for Ohio State. Very, very good player. Wrapped around Nate Stanley's leg. Couldn't get him down. Stanley just stood tall. Took an absolute shot while throwing it. But threw, I think he threw it to Hawkinson in the end zone. Yeah, I do remember that. All right, David. I'll, I'll wrap you up with this. Um, if Iowa is going to hang around in this game, you asked me a similar question when I was on your podcast yesterday. What has to happen to, to keep the Hawkeyes in this game, um, you know, however long we're talking here, but, but just to, to make this a more interesting game than I think a lot of people expect, what do you think has to happen from the Iowa side of things? The one I think has been an interesting game just from the stance of Ohio State's offense versus Iowa's defense because I've told you Iowa's defense is better than, than the statistics even show simply because they've had to be on the football field longer just because the offense can't sustain any drives. I think they have – five drives of 60 yards or more all season long. I mean, it's, it's bad, but I think Iowa getting a defensive touchdown, creating turnovers. I mean, if you want to sort of put a bad vibe in the building, get your team jacked up, you have to get pick six. You have to force a fumble deep in Ohio state's territory. And CJ Stroud for the most part has avoided those mistakes this year, but I think Iowa is due for a couple picks. I'm not saying it's going to come against Stroud, but they've been pretty quiet the last couple of weeks. Doesn't typically happen for Phil Parker coach defenses, but if Iowa's going to make this game, if it's going to be interesting, Iowa needs to stop Ohio State early. I think that the dam's going to break in the second half. By Now, how much does it break? I, I'm not really sure yet, but Iowa's going to need to get an early turnover, whether it be a pick six, force fumble, just do everything they can basically to put Iowa's offense in a position to say here, literally do anything like let us sit, let us rest. And, you know, it's a lot of pressure to put on the defense, but uh, the other side of it too is Torrey Taylor is the best punter in America. And Iowa's really used him as a 12th defender in a sense, because he's probably the best coffin corner kicker in the country. So, you know, even if Iowa's offense gets stopped, it's almost a win for them. If they can pin Ohio state back deep, I think that will really allow, Phil Parker to get a little bit more risky if you get back deep in their territory. Iowa's generated two safeties this year, but uh, it's 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 all like I said, it's almost unfair how much pressure there is on Iowa's defense to do what they do, game in and game out, just to even make it competitive. It's interesting you mentioned the punting game because Ryan Day said going into the the off weekend punt return, well return game in general was something that they were looking at to clean up, and then the other day he mentioned possible personnel changes on special teams. So. I'll be interested to see what they do in terms of trying to generate more because they've been horrendous on, on both kick and punt returns so far this year. But David, thanks for jumping on with us. I do appreciate it. I hope you enjoy the rest of your fireball there. and uh, <laughs> Hopefully that'll help you get through the game uh, <sighs> on Saturday. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens, buddy. But yeah. uh, no, I appreciate you having me on. It's always good catching up with you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks again. And that was David Eichholt from our Iowa site at 247 Sports. He uh, he does great work. They all do great work over there. I know I say that every week about the guys we have on, but that's because I truly mean it. If, if you're looking for insight, 
on the, the opponent. I do always recommend you checking out the, the other 247 sports sites. That network is just awesome. It's one of the reasons I love working for this company because you have access to stuff like that. And, you know, if you're looking for recruiting stuff, it's there. If you're looking for team stuff, it's there. It's, it's, it's all really well done. Um, and, and the Iowa site does a great job, even though it's a, you know, a smaller group, but, but they really do. So now we're going to look ahead a little bit because I think we all know how this game's going to go. It's, it's, you know, one of those you can kind of pick your score if you want. Maybe, maybe not as much because of Iowa's defense, but I want to look ahead to the second half of the season. And uh, you know him by now if you've been paying attention. Timmy Hall from the Buckeye Show, 97.1 The Fan. Tim, you keep agreeing to jump on here for the happy hour. Someday we'll do it where you can actually partake a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I, I do appreciate you jumping on. I've got. I think I said at the beginning that this was a Bell's too hard, and it's a Bell's Oberon that I'm drinking today. It feels warmer out, so I decided to go with something a little. Gotcha. Similar. Yeah, and I have to start drinking early because uh, my girlfriend is having a Taylor Swift album release party at our house this evening. So uh, I need to. I have to drink early, so I'm ready for that, but not too much so that I can go to bed and, and be okay tomorrow. How you doing, though? I'm good. Thanks for having me on again, Pat. Yeah, the, the Taylor Swift album that's all the rage today. Uh, by the way, you don't have any kind of Woody Hayes type of ideology where I'm not going to drink any kind of brew from that state up north because you're sipping on a Bell's right now. Honestly, that didn't even cross my mind. Uh, no, I drink the beer that I think tastes good. And I bought it in Ohio, if that makes you feel better. Um, but yeah. well, I don't know. It's about where it originated from, though. I mean, it's, it's basically an import. Is do, they what we're even, talking about. do they even, I mean, like, I know a lot of places don't even brew where they, you know, we talked, I think we talked on the show the other day about Budweiser, and uh, that's not even exclusively brewed in Missouri anymore. It's, it's everywhere now. I don't know how Bells does it, but uh, no, I didn't think about that. I will consider that for the for the future shows but uh let's dig into this team a little bit last week we looked backwards during the off week this week I want to look forwards um I think we know how the Iowa game is going to go but aside from the Michigan game is and I think I know where you'll go with this but is there a game that stands out the most to you um about on the second half of the season that uh you're either concerned about or intrigued for or or anything like that Sorry, Pat, your connection right there. Are you asking about, I caught most of that question. Was it about the game on the schedule that you're looking forward to the most for the rest of the yeah, regular just, season? Yeah, just something that stands out. Um, aside from Michigan, we all know that one already. Uh, but right. uh, whether it be trap game, interesting matchup, just just something that stands out to you over the second half of the season in terms of the games. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're always going to start with Penn State, right? Like these are... There, there are things that we can find, you know, interesting within these games. That's that's part of what you have to look to to keep it fun, right? For an Ohio State football fan, when the the average margin of victory has been somewhere, you know, between thirty and forty points, so you've got to you got to look a little bit deeper, right? And and just when you just going up against a big program on the road like Penn State, so what if it's not a night game and it's not their whiteout? Is are you telling me that you know Penn State's end all be all is oh if we can't if we can't play the game in prime time then we don't have a real great shot to win. <laughs> On our side, we kind of know that is a part tr part truth. But yeah, whether that's going to be at night or during the day, 
Ohio State's going to be probably a 17 to a 20 point favorite opening up on the road at Penn State. And that is kind of crazy. It's also crazy that we've seen this line in the Iowa game balloon to 30 points when I just, you know, heard, heard your guy on from 24 seven sports there. That was some good stuff. It's it's a great defense. It's a top 10, top five defense. And yet Ohio State's favored by 30 points because their offense is that atrocious. It's that bad. So looking to if, if you like doing that, you know, we can't we can't bet in Ohio until January 1st. But the lines in these games clearly are, are points of interest to see if the Buckeyes have what it takes to cover some of these these big gaudy spreads that they've been given. So we will look at that. But but going back to the Penn State game, it's just the fact remains, James Franklin you know, ha- has a win over Ohio State, but it is just one win and two other really, really close games. Yeah, and it's just one of those things where he he sat there after one of those brutal losses yeah. and kind of told his fan base and told everybody that we were done being great, you know? And his point being is that we're not going to be great anymore. We're going to up it to elite. Like, we're going to up it to like Ohio State. We're tired of being, you know... 9-10 win Penn State, being right there, right in the thick of it. But then, you know, maybe a bad fourth down call. Some of that's James Franklin's fault. You know, some bad coaching decisions late in those games. But it, it, it hasn't been that way. They've, they've been just a 500 Big Ten program for these last two seasons. So you really, you really do look into that one because Ohio State's obviously so good and they're a much better football team here. It's not even what I would consider a roadblock. I guess it's more of that, boy, that's sad for Penn State that this is sort of an afterthought type of game, you know? And and they're going to be ranked going into it. I I understand that. But with the way they looked against Michigan was just awful. It kind of reminded you of just that deflating feeling of how the Buckeyes, of how we looked against Michigan last year. And if our beliefs are are in line that this is this Ohio State team is a contender, is a different football team, then they should have a lot to show. And you you, you just you wonder about that thing called pride. Is Penn State going to flush that one? And are they going to play more physical? Are they going to be more up for that football game because they don't want a repeat embarrassment type performance that they had three weeks ago against Michigan? That's uh. That's really it, man. Yeah, if you if you cancel out that game at the end, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the thing uh, that I'm really looking looking at right now as a Buckeye fan. This this one coming up next week on the road. Yeah, I would be interested in how that game is different if Penn State went into Michigan last weekend and won. You know that that changes the complexion of it, right? Very, yeah. very. Don't you think? Right, they're a top ten team, probably. You know, it also changes the game at the end of the season a little bit, but. Um, the one that I, uh, you know, I thought you were going to say Penn State. So the one that I will be interested in other than those two is at Maryland, November 19th, yeah. just because I, I think Maryland has some talent, first of all, but you're going on the road the week before that rivalry game. You want revenge in that rivalry game. I think that will really test Ryan Day's competitive stamina thing that he keeps preaching. Can you focus on Maryland knowing Michigan's right around the corner? And, you know, how, how do the Buckeyes handle that? I think they'll win at Maryland, but I could see that game being closer than you probably need it to be uh, just because of that 
if the Buckeyes aren't the focus team that, that they have been so far this year. So that's, a, that's another one I think will be interesting um, coming up here. And, and obviously we've always seen this team play on the road once and, you know, that usually doesn't affect the Buckeyes too much, but it, it is something real quick, Tim Yakov asked if the P on your hat is for Patrick or is it for something else? I think it's clearly for Patrick, right? <laughs> for, for Patrick or, uh, you know, I, I get pirates a lot for this one. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's a guy that lives that. in my neighborhood, and I have this hat in almost five or six different colors right now. I just want to tell you up front, if I'm sporting my baseball team, I am not one of those guys that's going off of the, the wall at Lids that has 65 different colors. They do that for the Yankees hats. Yeah. Your team colors are your team colors. Maybe if you want to go one alternate one, like – like if your if your team has an alternate jersey, that's fine. You can buy the hat if it's like one different color. But the pinks, the greens for St. Patrick's Day, I'm not I'm not in on that. Like your team colors are your team colors. This is purely a puma. That's it. Okay. It's just a golf hat. I it's like this puma. So it'll sound like an advertisement, but it's like a puma one ten. They should be paying me. I've been wearing enough of these hats, but. They're just they're super comfortable for for a golfer. You gotta have something with a good flex band, and I just like the the profile, like the fit. I, I can't do I can't do dad hats, and I can't do like those baseball fifty nine fifty bucket hats because those sit too high. But yeah, that that's that's a long uh, you know we just we talked a long time about my hat now, and that was my fault. I know. All good. Um, if we're looking end of the season. Who would you put as the most likely offensive defensive MVP of this team? Oh man. I mean, are, are we, ex- are we excluding obvious characters again? Are we, no, you, can, you can pick whoever they you all, want here. They all, they all fly. So we could, we could just take the easy road and say CJ Stroud. Sure. I mean, those receivers have to catch the balls there. Yeah. They're, I'm no offense to, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Igbuka, Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson, everything that they do. But this, the the, the machine starts with C.J. Stroud. You know, yeah. you 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 could actually, we could have a conversation about what's more important uh, for this football team when we talk about the health of the offensive line. And I, I think that's been a, a huge deal for CJ's success and having all, I mean, he's barely been touched Pat like this whole year. What's he been sacked four times. And we probably have to go and pull up the film on those four sacks and see if they were really, you know, even that important or if he was just holding the ball for too long, maybe just because they're blowing somebody out by two touchdowns already. And he's just maybe waiting to see if a crossing route comes clean and he probably wouldn't have held onto the ball if it was in a different, you know, game situation. But I mean, I, I think the line has been very, very huge. But if we're if we're gonna call this an individual type of thing, we got a guy in the Heisman race. You know, I mean, we we got a Heisman front runner. He's been electrifying to watch, and and I can't wait to see him dial it up here for the last six regular season games. What about you? I I would say the same thing. I I figured that's where we would go. I just had to ask real quick: Does he win it? Does he win the Heisman? Yes. Yes. I've I've been. I mean, health, of course. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean that that we we could say that for everybody, but he's he's winning this thing, and I've I've just sort of felt it all season. I I just from even after the Notre Dame game, yeah, you got past it. You just needed to win, and for the numbers that he put up in his last game against Utah, you might have thought, oh, what a you know what a sluggish start for someone that's going to be in on the Heisman, but 
it was a really efficient game and he was he was put into a position in that football game where he had some pressure and first games are like that you got the prime time it's a top 5 matchup and he had to throw some really good footballs to to the sideline a few times to get some first downs and the numbers really weren't all that bad to have over, you know, 230 passing yards with a good completion percentage, two touchdowns through the air, no interceptions, no turnovers. So that was great. I've, I've just felt that he was going to win it pretty yeah. much since that Notre Dame game. And he's just had a different – you've been around him a lot and go to all the media availabilities. He's just a different kind of dude this year. He's He's wired a little bit different. NIL has maybe done something, but I think this guy just has – full belief in his abilities and what his future holds and where he's going. And he's not too cocky. He just has a good, good sort of sense of realism about who he is and what he can do. And, I, and I've loved it. I've loved every bit of it. Yeah, I agree. I, I said before the season, look, there was going to be a lot of pressure on Bryce young to repeat. And you always get looked at differently when you come back for that second year We've seen it with a number of guys going back to Tim Tebow. And I thought CJ Stroud would get better and, you know, continue to continue to get better throughout the season. I think that's what you've seen. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think he does take it home. Let me ask you this. This is something. Wait a minute. What about, what about defense? Oh yeah. yeah, What about defense? Because I, I saw a commenter on there too. And I, I I agree with the picks. I, I do. I, I think Tommy, we've talked a lot about Tommy Eichenberg. We've talked a lot about, just the the two linebackers, the way Steele and Tommy have played all season long. And it might not be the guy that I would have pegged before the season. You know, I was I was a guy sitting here thinking that Jack Sawyer was going to go and put up some stupid numbers. Yeah. Stupid numbers. I, I think a lot of people felt that. Yeah, you too. A lot of people felt that in training camp. And it doesn't mean he's had a bad football season. It's just numbers are – numbers can be hard to get. It's a new scheme they're working in. They, they could – they could start to fall here in these last six games as well. But I do think it'd be tougher, even if the numbers do start to come for a JT two MLO or a, or a Jack Sawyer, some of the sexier edge rusher positions where you get the pressures and the sacks and the TFLs. Tommy has just been such a rock steady player back there that I think he, it would be tough to catch at this point. If he leads the team in tackles and he's just been such a leader, he's just been, such a reliable player and and you need that you you need that on defense you're nothing if you don't have a middle linebacker you can trust yeah I agree um the other guy that I would throw in there and, and the numbers may not be there but I would say Ronnie Hickman it would be in that conversation I just think he does so much if we're talking MVP most valuable player um if you're not I I think when I think of that I don't necessarily think of the stats though that tends to be how the award's given out but value to this defense I mean obviously he had the the team lead in tackles last year hasn't had to do that because the defense is so much better this year but yeah. he moved positions he's playing a different safety role he's still a leader on this defense I really like Ron Ronnie Hickman but I agree with you assuming Tommy Eichenberg continues to play as well as he played the first six games he's probably the guy um I I've been asked this a few times and I think it's a, a an interesting question the bigger impact coming back from injury, assuming both guys come back from injury here, whether it be this week, next week, relatively soon, Jackson Smith and Jigba or Jordan Hancock. And, you know, the question obviously comes because Ohio state's cornerback play has not been up to par 
And I look at it and think, okay, you know what you're getting in Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's probably the best receiver in the country coming back. But the fact that you even have that question is an indictment on what the cornerbacks have done. Because let's be honest, aside from hearing Ryan Day and some of the coaches talk about Jordan Hancock, no one has any idea what he's going to look like. I mean, it's not, you know, he's a sophomore who hardly played last year. I, I think it's an interesting question because I think he could make a bigger impact just because the receivers are so good, but we don't know that. I mean, the practices we saw, he, you know, he looked good, but he didn't stand out to me as like, Oh yeah, that's the best cornerback yeah. in the nation. Like Jackson Smith and Jigba has done. So I'm curious your thoughts on that. Well, and the other thing too, with, with Jackson Smith and Jigba coming back, none of us really know what, how close he is to a hundred percent. Right. And we're not really being given that Intel. If he has waited officially until he's 100% to go back in, he might not be up to that speed and that agility that he had when we saw him in the Utah game, but they've medically cleared him and they've told him you're safe right now. And you're not going to, nothing that you do out there is going to re-injure this but that doesn't necessarily mean that he is going to be as ultra fast and as ultra quick the last time he played in an actual big 10 football game. So there's that point sure. with Jackson. And then there's the point about how good the wide receivers have been, but I, I will, I will not sit here and say that it is going to be a bad thing, even for 85% Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is trending upward to come on back. Because oh no, whatever we've seen from Julian Fleming as a number three, it no offense to him, it it still pales in comparison to what Jackson Smith and Jigba's top line is. I mean, this is a this is a guy who in one football season proved he could be basically a top ten pick in the NFL draft, and he just I I do think he needed to come back this season and maybe play a little bit more on the outside, just recycle and repeat just show me more right because playing through injuries is a part of being a a pro that you want to sign to a you know massive second contract when it comes to that or if you want to take them you know way high in the first round that type of thing so i'm kind of i'm kind of following you for all the things i'm saying about jackson again i'm excited to have him welcoming him back with open arms no doubt but jordan hancock has been just sort of a a mystery player. And, and every time, you know, we've talked about Burke before I know on this pod, and then you've, you've stuck up for him by saying, you know, when you, you do get that bird's eye view, uh, you know, only the bad plays get, uh, get looked at. And, and we gloss over a lot of the plays where the ball is not thrown in his direction, but every time someone gets beat on an Island, there, a cornerback, you just wonder, yes. all right, well, who's the next guy, you know, like cycle, cycle him the backup. Let's let's cause he might be a, a bona fide starter someday at Ohio State. And Jordan Hancock obviously has been one of those guys that has gotten a lot of talk and would love to see him healthy and would love to get him back. Yeah. And I think Jordan Hancock is going to be very good. I mean, he was, he was highly rated coming out of high school. We just haven't seen him yet because Denzel Burke was the one who enrolled early and, and got going. Tim, I know you got to get out here. So I'll leave you with this very simple question before you go. Do the Buckeyes win the national championship this year? <laughs> Oh gosh, Pat! You can just say yes or no. You don't have to go into detail. No, I, I can't, man. <laughs> yes, okay, yes, fine, yes, sure. Yeah, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I wasn't coming out with that just yet. Yeah, what a, Dave, question. what a question, Pat! Great question. 
Dave Biddle and I did a Twitter spaces the other day and, and got asked that. So uh, I felt like I needed to throw it at you. I also let me, said, yes. let me guess. You said yes. And Dave said, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. as of what we've seen, I think this is the best team in the country from, from what we've seen so far this year. Can I put my confidence meter on that as of today though? Yeah, go ahead. As of right here today, I'm only at like a 38% confidence meter. Like I'm not a big, Oh, right. I'm not like a dude that's walking around town. Just like, Hey, you know, end the season now Buckeyes are winning the national championship. I mean, last time I looked, it was 2014. The last time we won one and we get to this, we get to this feeling a lot of years where it's, yeah, we're doing it. You know, we're, it's our title to lose just because you're in a position and you feel like you're the best team. It does not mean you are just winning the national championship. So my confidence meter is not yet to the 50% line in that, even though I answered the question, yes, because you put me on the spot like the Patrick Murphy that you are. Yeah. Well, that's what I do um, when I can. Usually you're ready for these things. It's the, it's the drinking that did that. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed, but this is actually my second beer. I Boy, well, why not make it three? Yeah. Well, I said, like I said, Taylor Swift party. So I've got to be ready. I All got right. a bottle of wine from the Blue Jackets out there. I should crack that open. There you go. I saw that. Uh, I think it was. I think it was T Bone put that on Twitter yesterday. So it must be nice to be you guys and get all this free stuff. Very generous. It's, it pays to be the partners. Yeah. The Jackets. All right. I know you've got stuff to do uh, over there at the fan. I will. Uh, I assume I'll talk to you later. We haven't discussed this yet. We'll talk to you. Yeah, we'll talk right. to you later. Yeah. I'll, I'll be on the okay hey, show buddy. later this evening. Tim, thanks for coming on. I will see you in a little, or I'll talk to you in a little bit. That was Tim Hall from 97.1 The Fan. Love having Tim on. I'm glad he's he's agreed to be a part of this pretty much every week, whenever he, he can make it work with, with our timing. So fantastic dude, knows his stuff, a lot of fun to talk to. And, uh, you know, he, he loves to talk about the Buckeyes. And, and it gives a different perspective because Tim didn't grow up in Columbus. He didn't go to Ohio state. He moved here for the job and, and has really uh, a given, I think, I think just a different flair to, to kind of the, the media scene. Cause a lot of people, myself included spent at least some of their growing up in, in Ohio, in Columbus, went to Ohio state, whatever it may be. So I think, I think having Tim, someone like Tim there is valuable. Um, I want to answer a couple questions or comments that were uh, thrown out there during the, during the earlier part of the show. Um, this won't do well for the people on the podcast, but Yakov asked, Pat, the picture over the sh my shoulder, that is my dog growing up. My dad painted that picture, actually. Um, I won't go into a huge detail because I know the people listening on the podcast version can't see it. But yes, that is my childhood dog that my dad painted. And so when I got, uh, when I got a big boy residence um, a while back, I was like, I want that picture. And so I brought it into my home. And there it is. Um, another one, more Ohio State focused. Bold prediction. Henderson and Williams both go over 100 yards. That's from Sage Ohio on YouTube. I assume, Sage, you meant that they will both go over 100 yards tomorrow, Saturday, against Iowa. Look, it wouldn't be surprising. That's uh, that's happened already once this year. They both did it against Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, I think they probably could have both done it against Michigan State if they both stayed healthy. They obviously didn't mine Williams wasn't available against Michigan state. And then Travion Henderson did go over hundred yards in the first half before getting hurt on the, I think it was the first snap of the third quarter. So yeah, I mean, 
Look, Iowa's defense is very good. I don't think anyone should sleep on Iowa's defense. But as as David said earlier, and if, if you missed that, David from, from our 247 Sports Iowa site was on and was great. As he said earlier, what's unfortunate for this Iowa defense is because Iowa's offense is so bad, this defense is on the field over and over and over again. And you've got two running backs like Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson you know, if they're able to, to take away some of the passing game, for instance, you can just pound those guys. We've seen it happen at times this year. And yeah, eventually, because Iowa's defense will be on the field so much, I bet you they both could break one and, and that could lead to them both going over 100 yards. So I think that's a, it's a bolder prediction because obviously Iowa's defense is good. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head in terms of their rush defense, but but they're very good um, in, in general. So you know, I think uh, I, I think that that could that could happen. That could certainly happen. And uh, another one, Mike Schaefer, and we sort of touched on this a little bit with Tim Hall there. But this part of the season worries me. Nobody saw losses to Purdue and Iowa coming, or even Michigan State in 2015. Hopefully, the Bucks keep that quote competitive stamina. That's the Ryan Day quote, strong all season. Mike, I agree with you. I think you've seen plenty of times in the past Ohio State teams that are rolling that are playing good coming into to a game. And, and typically it's been on the road, but you mentioned that Michigan state game. And then that had some weird circumstances to it, but you've seen them go on the road and, and lose to that Purdue team, lose to that Iowa team. I mean, I don't know if there has been a regular season moment as high as Ohio state was after that Penn state game in 2017. And they just couldn't, carry it over into that next week. And I, I wrote about this earlier this week. You can find it on, on, on Bucknuts. The, the coaching staff now has, has made it a point to tell the players about that week because Ryan Day said to, I think it was Ronnie Hickman who, who was talking about it, that the, the team just didn't get the work done during the week. They didn't put in the same effort coming off that huge Penn State win. And I think Ryan Day figures that that is the best way to show a team that he wants every week to bring it from Tuesday, which is their first day of practice usually, all the way through Saturday when the game's done, that same intensity, regardless of who the opponent is. And you could show them Alabama losing to Tennessee or, or USC losing last week or, or any team that, that has been upset this year that, that's been a good team. And maybe that registers on, on a good level, but you can also show them guys they know from being in the program, guys that they got to know, know during recruiting, guys wearing those same jerseys as them, going to Iowa after, I think they moved up to number three in the country after that Penn State win and laying an egg because they didn't prepare correctly. And I think it's a great example. And I think Ryan Day is going to have to continue to hammer this point home week after week that, look, if you take a team lightly, especially on the road in the Big Ten. Yeah, you're Ohio State. You have the most talent in the Big Ten, maybe the most talent in the country. That could all go out the window if you lose the wrong game at the wrong time. Obviously, that 2017 team, 2017 team lost twice. They'd also lost to Oklahoma earlier in the year. But if they don't lose that Iowa game and they win out, that team's back in the college football playoff. The year later, Purdue, obviously one lost team, doesn't make it because of that loss. So, you know, it's college football with, with the way things are set up right now, very, a very fickle thing um, that, that I think you, you just have to be careful with. And 
I think Ryan Day's done a great job managing that thus far. But I think it was it was smart of him to not just blow off that 2017 Iowa game. He could have done that. He could have said, look, that was 2017. We're a different coaching staff. We have so many different players, this, that, and the other thing. We don't want to talk about that. It could have been done. No one would have talked about it. I wouldn't have written about it. No one else would have written about it. We wouldn't be talking about it right now. Instead, he chose to embrace it. And I think he did that very tactically because I think not only does – you know, it, it build up some sort of revenge. And, and Luke Whipler, Ohio State's starting center, wasn't on this. That team isn't from Ohio. Mentioned, look, we all know what happened. We, we want revenge on this team. He said anything to get our blood boiling was the quote he used. So in addition to doing that, I think Ryan Day knows this is a great way to make sure this team stays focused. And you can use that throughout the year. It doesn't have to just be this week. I think you can reemphasize that point. Obviously, you won't need it next week against Penn State, but against Nebraska or against Northwestern, excuse me, in two weeks against Maryland. You know, those are two road games that you should, should win and, and probably win convincingly, but you, uh, you, you have to handle your business. Um, just want to look through the comments here real quick. If you have any last questions, we're going to wrap up here shortly, but if you have anything you wanted us to address that we haven't yet, feel free to throw it in the comments. If you're watching live here, uh, here's one from, Quaz is fresh. I may have pronounced that wrong. J.K. Johnson better be starting tomorrow. It'll be interesting what to, to see what Ohio State does at cornerback because the play has not been good enough. I do think Denzel Burke had a better game against Michigan State right before the off weekend. But, we, I mean, we've talked about it a lot. I've written about it a lot. It's, it's been rough at times, and there's been too many plays – given up. Now you look at Ohio State's pass defense, it's it's really good statistically, but they also haven't played very many good passing offenses. So I don't know what they'll do. I think if I were, were betting, I think they give Denzel Burke and Cameron, uh, Cameron Brown, assuming they're both healthy, a chance to go out there and kind of redeem themselves. I wrote about it this week that Jim Knowles and Ryan Day both really liked what they saw from the cornerbacks in terms of practice the last week plus uh, and you know that that can do some things. You're obviously going against some really good receivers in practice every day. That's going to test you. So if if Cameron Brown, if Denzel Burke have have shown that, that they you know learning from the mistakes that they've made can adjust, turn their head around and and knock the ball down, things like that. You know, I, I think we've seen it from those guys. We've definitely seen it from Denzel Burke, Cameron Brown in, at points. So. They're, these guys are capable of making the plays. Um, you know, I don't know if it's going to matter who starts at cornerback tomorrow on Saturday, I should say, against Iowa, because this is not a passing attack that, that should concern Ohio State all that much. Though statistically, I guess they do, they do rank higher than almost all, if not all of Ohio State's. But the tight ends are really the concern in the passing attack, not, not the receivers. So the cornerbacks shouldn't be tested too much on Saturday, but you know, going to Penn State, going down the road, you've got to go to go to Maryland and, and face the younger Tagovailoa brother, assuming he's healthy. You're going to be tested a little bit. So they've got to get the cornerback situation figured out. If that means playing a guy like J.K. Johnson or, or playing some other guys as opposed to the guys they've been starting, you got to get the right guys on the field because, you know, way down the line, assuming everything else goes right, you're going to be in a college football playoff game where the cornerbacks are going to have to defend and defend on an island. And uh, that, that's got to be better. 
we're going to wrap it up here. I want to thank everyone who, who tuned in live. We got a ton of questions. I really love that today. Questions, comments, everything. Um, it's always great to get that from you guys. I want to thank Daigle, David Eichelholt from our 247 Sports Iowa site. He was great. Brought us a lot of insight on, on Iowa, not only today, but, but in the future as well. He does great work over there, as I mentioned before. And then Tim Hall, of course. Uh, Tim's great. I love Tim and, and the work he does, the fan. If you're watching live, I'll be on with Tim and the Buckeye Show Friday evening. So, so tune in for that. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. This is the Bucknuts Happy Hour. Um, we're heading into week eight of the college football season. Buckeyes, Iowa, big noon kickoff on Saturday. I hope that you will enjoy it. We'll be there. Steve and I will be in the press box covering the game. So stay tuned to Bucknuts and uh, cheers to the weekend. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.